0: Be a barbecue hero with delicious, ultra-low-net-carb Hero Bread buns and tortillas. Soft and fluffy, high in fiber, and with zero grams of sugar, up to 10 grams of protein, coming in at under 100 calories per serving. Oh, and did I mention they taste like their mouth-watering traditional versions? I mean, what's not to love? Use code AH10 for 10% off your first Hero Bread purchase at Hero.co. That's AH10 for 10% off at Hero.co. Hey, guys, we are back with another podcast with Tanya and her friend, Allie. Allie has had and is currently dealing with colon cancer. And this is March's Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So I wanted to have her on. She shared her story. It was great. Tanya has graciously offered to do another Beauty Counter pop-up store and donate 20%. Is it? Yeah. 20% to um, what's it called, Holson? No, 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 the, the living livingbeauty.org is the organization that the be- her beauty counter pop-up will be donating to. And uh, you can find links at my website or at Tanya's website, hopemovesmountains.com. And you can check out Allie's Instagram at hashtag Uh She was awesome. I'm so glad to have met her today. And I think we had a really great conversation about dealing with cancer specific sort of to colon cancer, but also generally about dealing with cancer. So um, I know you know someone who's going through it. If you're not going through it yourself, we all do, unfortunately. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you learned something I did, as I always do. And if you know someone who could use any of this information, please share it. Um, thanks for coming back every week and go to the beauty counter pop-up and buy some clean products I love the beauty counter it's the only thing I use I love it so thanks again guys I appreciate you coming back every week and enjoy I rode my
1: bicycle past your window last night
0: has a world fair. Yep. And back when my kids were at that school, I was one of the like, uh, people that built the fair mm-hmm. and Scott was a really big help. Mm-hmm. The first, I think maybe first couple of years they were at oh, yeah. his back stuff happened. right?
2: Uh, and now he still helps, but not like building stuff as much or lugging around cases of, Water and stuff. Like mm-hmm. Yes, he
0: was like one of my go-to people. Mm-hmm. Where's Scott Pete? Where's Scott mm-hmm. Pete? Where's right. Scott Pete? That's what I did for the first two years. Where's Scott Pete? I know yeah, we had so. a tech team, but he did that part, and then I did the during the fair volunteering in mm-hmm. the booths mm-hmm.
2: and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: and I was so I always did the building part. I didn't do that part, so I didn't really know Tanya because mm-hmm. I didn't right. deal with volunteers right. unless they were building something. Mm-hmm. So, which obviously was Scott. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, I'm taking my sweater off. It's hot here. I know. Here.
2: I have my sweater on it's too, a, but I feel a like sauna. If, I, if I take my sweater off, I'm in like all black. and
0: I'm and, in all black too. Well, I, um, <laughs> well, yeah. I started working out with a trainer and my trainer is hard to get times. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have a heart out today. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's to go it's with my, my trainer, which I'm going to set an alarm so I can remember.
1: I actually have to be at home by 11 too because... Um, on top of everything else, we had a carbon monoxide leak from our what? Oh my gosh! Yeah, uh huh. From so, your what? From our heater. Oh my gosh! No so way! All three of us were sick. Um, like not too much. Not this last Monday, but a week ago Monday, my girls woke up in the middle of the night. They were throwing up, and oh um, I told Christopher, and he was like, at the same time. I was like, yeah, exactly the same time, and he was like. Go open the windows and turn off the heater right wow, now. Wow, that's amazing. And I was of like... So Canada, he thought right? of
0: that? Mm-hmm. You don't have carbon monoxide sensors in we your house? We do, but they had and- run out
1: of battery. Oh. And they hadn't beeped to tell me they were out of battery. That's weird. Yeah. It was weird. That's defective. So, uh-huh.
0: That's I mean, crazy. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, like, they tested it. It wasn't, like, crazy high, but it was high enough that they're like, you have to replace your heater. Wow. I mean, I don't because we rent, but... okay. that's crazy $10,000 later they have to
2: something like that happened with us I walked in the house one day and Scott was in the kitchen I was like do you have the gas on, on the stove? And he's like, no. I'm like, I smell gas. And he had been in there not smelling anything. And I'm like, I smell it. Yeah. So the same kind of thing we called and they came out and he was like, that's just, it's a really small leak. He said he was really surprised I could smell it, but I smelled it the instant I came
1: in the house. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You're super mom senses. But, but, but carbon <laughs> monoxide doesn't have a smell. No. Also, I learned that you have to keep your, your, it's heavier than air. So your carbon monoxide detector should be low.
0: I didn't know that.
1: I didn't either. They're but, all in the
0: ceiling. I know. And LA code makes you put them in the ceiling. That's stupid. It's like part of the fire detector, right? The smoke yeah. detector slash- It can be a combo. You
1: yeah. can because smoke rises, but carbon monoxide sinks. So by mm. the time it gets up there, you're fucked.
0: I, I tell of, you what, the city of L.A. for housing is the dumbest thing I've ever mm-hmm. dealt with in my life. That's where are you dumb. from? Georgia, where are you from?
1: I'm from Texas, and I'm going to try my hardest <laughs> not to lapse into the accent that I did not grow up having, <laughs> but developed after I started selling Stella and Dot. Why? Is it because because my whole team was Texas, yeah, was yeah, Texas. Okay, that makes sense. Oh. and so we would get together and everybody would be like, oh my God, y'all, this is going to be great. <laughs> but you didn't talk like that? Where no, did you I grew up in, in Houston. Houston. Oh, well, that didn't To mean ca- anything, Southern right? Californian parents. So I never had an accent. I went to school in deep East Texas, but mm-hmm. like still never had an accent.
0: But clearly you but heard not. it your whole life. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So but you, yes. yeah, you heard so it. So
1: I'm sure I will lapse into a lilt. So That's if funny. I do, I thought you were comment. Southern. When I am Southern, but yeah. Not when I, when southern, no, southern, southern. Yeah. I'm Texan, southern. When I yeah. was
2: little, people would ask me where my accent was from. When we were living in Mission, I was like, I don't. I'm from the same place you're from, and I, but I would say, let's. You want to go downtown, stuff like that. And then you know that adoption episode. I found out my biological family is from like Sioux City, Iowa. So I kind of have a little bit of that kind of thing. But yeah, do you think it's just genetic? Genetic, maybe. just the way your vocal cords yeah, are exactly. shaped. Definitely well, then and she, too.
0: you were with your mom your real mom Mm -hmm. until you were uh, you know like one and a half yeah yeah, 18 months old so oh so so there's some picking up of different things right 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 and i i don't know i was told that your muscles develop from the way you talk so if you it may have been some of those vowel sounds you were making when you were 18 months old that Oh, is how your muscles true. develop that's true, and then that's because, how you say well, it you said
1: your first words with her certainly i was gonna say so. that's yeah. true because that's
2: right around when you start talking and stuff
0: right yeah so mm-hmm. maybe you were saying downtown mama downtown <laughs> right? that, that or, ice cream or she, downtown <laughs> or she would say downtown and that's just how i thought you said it right downtown downtown, downtown. <laughs> yes. well what are we talking about today ladies all right well we're talking about Cancer. Yeah. Cancer. So fun. This is my third episode about cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one with you. Mm-hmm. One with an author named mm-hmm. Kim Tronic who wrote a book called Does This Cancer Make My Ass Look Fat? It's a great book. She basically journaled her um, process through cancer. Mm-hmm. She had breast cancer. Um, and uh, it was a great book because it was not super heavy, but it was really kind of... In, just informative, but not medically informative. More like, this is what was happening mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. This is what my brain was processing. This is how I was dealing with this emotionally. This is how I tackled these issues. It was a really cool book for anybody going through chemo, particularly because mm-hmm. she she really talked a lot about her you know process of chemo and oh, good. you know she'd wear a costume for mm-hmm. her chemo treatments and <laughs> and made it as kind of joyful as she possibly could because I I don't think many people connect joy with chemotherapy. <laughs> right, right. No, they don't. No. I did the yeah.
1: same thing on my on my I do that sort of on my on my Instagram. I've uh, kind okay. of tried to make it a little bit more demystified. Right. So that if somebody wanted I went live throughout the day over the course of a day one day when I was having chemo so that people could see sort of you know the different um processes and treatments and and what happened, you know, how it went first. And so I would sort of walk them through it and they would access my port, which is this thing in my chest that they can, you know, give me my chemo through. And then, you know, sort of over the the course of the day, but it was fascinating to go back and watch it because at the beginning of the day, I was like, hey, me, you know, it's all whatever. Let's go, you know, we're never having chemo. It's going to be no big deal. By the end of the day, I'm like, all right, we're done now. (laughs) And... I'm tired. (laughs) So, I mean, but it definitely, you know, so it could show people that even through it all, it wasn't so terrible that they couldn't get through it themselves. It's
0: survivable. Yes. For sure. Completely. I think people really think, are scared of chemo. Of course. Well, they
1: hear the word cancer and they think death. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I tell grown-ups, like, their faces fall, you get the sympathetic head tilt, you get the 15- not even 15 seconds, the one second flash of, oh, there comes that cancer lady. Thank God that's not me. Mm. Like you get right. All like just you could see it on people's faces, you know. Right. Um when I tell kids, they're like, Oh, okay.
0: And yeah. they just like because
1: they 'cause they don't have a, a reference for it necessarily right. unless they've experienced something. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very different kind of and I had to tell my kids when I told my kids, I was like, okay. Well, that's a whole story. Do you want that whole yeah, story? Yeah, every story. How old are your kids? I have the
2: telling my kids' story too. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, How old
0: are your
2: kids?
1: My kids now are eight and almost ten, so they're just about two years apart. Two girls, and I was diagnosed. In fact, um, two years ago tomorrow, mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with what? With colon cancer. Okay. Um.
0: So. Any colon cancer in your hi- history in your family?
1: My grandfather had it. Uh-huh. Oh. And uh, he got it, they took it out, and then it came back, and he died like a year later. Mm. Um, but when they did genetic testing on my tumor, they told me that it was not related. It was considered environmental. So oh, it had to do oh. with, environmental is sort of the generic term for we don't know how you got it. Right. You know, it doesn't run in your family necessarily, not this kind. Mm-hmm. So it could be your food. It could be your
0: makeup right. and the products like that you use. Skin, it right. could be your
1: cleaning products. It could be microwave food. It could be plastics. It could be a- a- anything. It could like, be the smog in the air. It could be. Yeah. They don't know.
2: Yeah, I was, I was looking at, like, the risk factors of colon cancer yesterday, and I was like, I didn't think that you had any really of the risk no, factors. No, I didn't. Yeah, just like me with breast cancer, I didn't
1: have any of the risk factors. What are the risk yeah. factors?
0: Do you remember them? Well, I That's mean. it's not on my thing. I printed out.
1: I, I think it's, you know, um, obesity, smoking. Got it. Sort of mm-hmm. your general. Eating a lot of red meat. I eating think a lot of red noticed. meat, which I did, but which I mean. You probably know. not more than a normal person. Well, I mean, I don't you are from anymore. Texas. I am from I Texas, mean, so I did have my steak. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it wasn't anything. I mean, I had had sort of gastrointestinal stuff for years and it was really easy. There's so much to unpack here. It was so easy to just sort of pass it off because I had I've been having side pain for years and years and I had this tumor in my liver Mm. that was called it's called focal nodular hyperplasia, which is essentially what somebody described to me as sort of, um, you know, those little um, red moles that people get yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like that on your tumor i yeah. mean on your on your on tumor your on your on your liver how about okay. that so it's just like it's a benign right? doesn't do anything my and they discovered it like right after i first got married and um they did a biopsy of it and it was just you know they said it was that when i had my first daughter my first uh, um I was going to say oncologist, but that's not who delivers babies um, obstetrician obstetrician mm-hmm. was he was like, I'm not you're having a C-section. I don't want you pushing. I don't want it to mm-hmm. do anything. But my second doctor, because I had a different doctor with my second baby. he was like, there's no way it's not going to do anything. You're fine. Do you want to have a, B- a V back? And I was like, oh, no, no, she's intact. So we're going to just unzip the a zipper. Yeah, we're right. Gonna take the second <laughs> one out. So anyway, um, I had been having these things for years, and um, then I was having more pain, so they looked at my gallbladder, mm-hmm. and it looked like I had a gallstone, so I had my gallbladder out, yeah. and then a few months after that, I was started having this really bad lower abdominal pain, but it seemed to be related to what I was eating. Mm-hmm. If I ate something like a, like a croissant or something really buttery, and you know, something that I didn't Which, eat very not often. Having your gallbladder
2: could kind exactly. of exactly because yeah, so, I had to have mine out also. Yeah,
1: yeah, so it was like I didn't, I didn't connect that right, that would right. be anything ominous. I was like, okay, well, Allie, you can't eat that stuff anymore, and um, then. One day I went to the bathroom and we're going to talk a lot about poop today. So <laughs> I love um, poop talk. We're talking about poop. <laughs> so I went to the bathroom and I wiped and, you know, you check it out to make sure that you're clean. Right. Yeah, and yeah. there was blood on the toilet paper. And I was like, oh, well, that's not that? good. Yeah. So it was like 1030 at night. So I called my the health hotline of my health insurance. Yeah. So the nurse hotline. So and I was like, hey, I just found blood. What do I do? And she's like, is it still bleeding? And I was like, no, it was just the one. She's like, okay, well, just watch it. Is it, you know, did you, do you have hemorrhoids? Right. And I was like, well, I have two children. Of course I have hemorrhoids, you know.
0: Who doesn't? Who lady? doesn't? I mean, right. oh, come on. that's oh, the lightest thing. <laughs> so um, she was like, okay, it's
1: probably just a burst hemorrhoid. It's not bleeding anymore. Just keep an eye on it. She did not tell me you should go to the doctor tomorrow. Mm. She mm. didn't even tell like she did. She just said, just keep an eye on it. So every once in a while I would have like nothing ever as spectacular as that first time. Mm-hmm. And I would just have a little bit. So I chalked it up to the hemorrhoids. Mm. So then fast forward to like a year, a little over a year later. And I just had this episode where I was like doubled over throwing up. Um, I thought it was the same thing, but usually they it went away in about Four hours because it seemed to be related to digestion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't go away. It was like a it was like a year. It was like a day. Yeah. So my husband had gone out of town, and I was like, "Mom, I gotta we I gotta go to the emergency room." So um, I go well, I go to urgent care, and then they send me to the emergency room because they're like, "We can't do the imaging here. It's too mm-hmm. late in the day." So I go to the emergency room, and this like, I don't know, twelve year old physician's <laughs> assistant a resident I don't know in my mind in the hallway before she walks in they're like okay Becky you got to start telling people bad news and she's like with her right now I gotta do it right now oh my god and they're like yep you got to do it and so she walks in I mean that's my
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she's like so they found suspicious um oh my god a susp- suspicious something in your colon and I was like what Suspicious thickening. That's what she said. Suspicious thickening in your colon. I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And she's like, I was like, does that mean I might have cancer? And she's like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. And she starts crying. She puts her hand on my knee. And I'm consoling her. Right, right. It's so absurd. I'm crying. Like, it's a whole thing. So then um, that was like February. So by the time I got, you know, I was on HMO at the time. So I had to get, you know, permission. I said, see my regular doctor. Get approval to see a gastroenterologist. Get approval to have the colonoscopy. The colonoscopy was March 12th, 2018. And I come out and they're like, yeah, you have. At that point, they thought it was stage two, which is so stages. These are the stages of cancer. Stage one is it's just in one organ. Stage two is it has breached the organ wall. Uh Stage three, it's in lymph nodes. Stage four, it's moved to another organ. Got it. I think I might mm-hmm. be switching two and three, but I believe that's what it is. Well, mine, um,
2: mine was two, but it wasn't, it hadn't spread to lymph nodes. But right, it was okay. bigger than a certain size, I think, is yeah. why with breast cancer. I, I think, see. Yeah. And it was outside of, it was invasive.
1: Right. And non invasive both. Yeah. So, um, so I was like, we're supposed to go to Hawaii in three days.
0: <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> Maybe it's spring break. Not go to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, no, no.
1: We went to Hawaii. You did. My do- yeah. My doctor was like, nothing's going to happen in a week. Go to Hawaii. Right. My French surgeon was like, oh, you cannot go. It's very <laughs> dangerous. You have to, you know, no, I'm not comfortable. And I was like, and then he was like, okay, I looked, the University of Hawaii is, is very good, but I don't want you to have an emergency surgery. So just drink a lot of Melox." So I literally, like the whole oh. time I'm mainlining Melox. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not really eating very much. We tell the girls that I have a tumor. Uh-huh. We don't say cancer because right. they don't know the word cancer. It doesn't mean anything to them, really. How right. old were they then? They were six and eight, I guess, or okay. six and almost eight. Um, so we go to Hawaii. We have sort of a lovely time. And then we come back and I have surgery and they check my liver. He looks at my liver visually. And right, He's like, I don't see anything. You seem to be fine. We're like, great. We got it all. There was some in my lymph nodes. So we knew at that point it was stage three, but like we took out 15. It was in two. We got all of that and we thought we were good. And then a few weeks, a few, I don't know, a little bit later, a couple weeks later, I had a PET scan and they found that there that the tumor that was in my liver exactly the same place Mm. had, first of all, not been present on the images when they did my gallbladder, and second of all, had now come back in the same place, but was cancer. Wow. And then there was a little like blip in my lung that they were like, mm, sort of, it's, it's enough to get you in the club. So we're going to do 12 rounds of chemo. Um, and we're going to do five rounds of radiation on this lung thing just to make sure that it's dead and it doesn't do anything. So we did nine rounds of chemo, this crazy whole combination that like, it's called there's full fury and there's full Fox, which is like a, there are two different regimens that are recommended that are most common for colon cancer. Am didn't I one
2: of your didn't no? Uh-uh. did <laughs> didn't one one I don't have anything have, to say on this. Uh, I mean, didn't no. one of your chemos have like platinum in it or something? Yes, there's crazy? a drug called
1: oxaliplatin, which is oxaloplatin. Uh, I, so I was on oxaliplatin, irinotecan. And another one that's aptly named 5FU.
0: Um <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's very appropriate.
1: And so I was on those three. And the oxaloplatin has this really sort of yucky and interesting side effect that you can't touch anything cold after you have it. It makes you super, super sensitive to cold. So you can't eat anything cold. It feels like like prickles, like almost like glass. Wow. You know? And um you know, and and it, and you can't touch, you can't like handle anything out of the fridge. It's really painful, and um, and then you loo- you can get um, neuropathy in your fingers mm-hmm. and toes, which I still have. Um, what is neuropathy? It's when you lose the sensation in it's like your nerve. It's nerve damage. damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, will it so, come? Will it go away? In theory, yes. Yeah. But my feet are still. It feels like I have sand in my socks all the time.
0: Oh my god, that would drive me nuts. It's yeah. I mean,
1: you know, it's all the fun. All the fun mm-hmm. things. But I mean, it's not debilitating. Yeah. The um,
2: alternative is not okay. Yeah, so exactly. I'll take the sand right. and the thief, I, f- but- I feel like whenever I complain about a side effect, my oncologist is like, but you don't have cancer. Right. right. You know? Right. Yeah. So I Does mean, they look- also go, wah, wah. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> Well, <laughs> no. for me, I have my checkups in the same place I did chemo. So there's that part of me that when I walk in now, instead of going left to chemo, I go right to the checkup room. So when I'm in there trying to think of things to complain about, I know that there are people just down the hall that, you know, our chemo is their life and death. Right. So yeah, it yeah. kind of puts it in perspective for sure.
0: I would imagine. Mm-hmm. It does. So
1: um, so I did nine rounds and then I got at like a, um, a ulcerative a colitis, which mm. is basically when you have, it's basically like a skinned intestine. Ooh. So it's like an abrasion in your yeah. intestine, you know. So they took me off it and then they redid the imaging and they were like, okay, well, everything's, the the lung thing seems to be dead and your liver thing is small enough that now we feel like it's, okay, we can take it out. Uh. So I went in and had surgery in October of 2018. And then at that point, it was considered NED, which is the new remission. Mm-hmm. They don't call it remission anymore. They call it NED, which stands for no evidence of disease. Oh, okay. So, I was NED, and then I had three more rounds of chemo to finish up, so I started that up again in January of 2019 and finished that out, and then I went on uh, immunotherapy called Keytruda, which is one of those drugs that you hear on the commercials that has like the list of scary, scary side effects, Um, which I I didn't get any of those, but it also didn't work Mm -hmm. because my cancer came back in... September of 2019, they um, I started my numbers started going up. They read they um, they measure a a protein level in your blood called CEA, mm-hmm. which interestingly is um, it's a protein that your body produces when you're pregnant that tells your body not to attack the fetus. Mm. Uh-huh. So it's sort of the cancer kind of masquerades is like, "Oh, I'm something you're not supposed to. I'm a baby. To. I'm like a good
0: thing. Don't attack me." How crazy. So,
1: uh my CEA my CEA levels went up and they had been like normal people walking around up to p- 2.5 is fine. So, but mine had been like 0.5, 0.8 like when I was on the chemo. The first time I went back and it was like 1.8, I think. And it hadn't been that high and you know, since I started, I was like, yeah. oh, something. I do so.
2: a blood test every six months. It's CA 29, I think, or mm-hmm. CA 27. But yeah, it's the same kind of thing. It measures this protein and it tells you if their breast cancer has come back someplace or not. Just and by the protein. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's and I think one impressive. of the tests that I have to do before my surgery coming up is the one for ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there are a couple, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of tests that he's going to do. To check and make sure. And he's going to do more genetic testing and stuff because I found out a little bit more about biological family. Like we yeah. talked about before, I have a pancreatic cancer and a type of melanoma mm-hmm. um, in my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And uh, my aunt was just diagnosed with breast cancer. So I was the first on maternal side, but now she has it too. Yeah. So, but yeah, so now I have to do like the other those testing also. Right.
1: It's fascinating to me Mm -hmm. though because they genetically type your tumor, not just to see if you're genetically predisposed Mm -hmm. to get certain kinds of cancers, but also the specific genetic makeup of your tumor. So they know, oh, this tumor, this kind of growing tumor, we can use this kind of chemo for. Now that it's back, I'm on two drugs. One is a pill form of the 5-FU, which is called Zloda, that, um that is just a, a regular chemo, and the other thing I'm on is a biologic drug called Avastin, which attacks the vascular systems of the tumor and basically starves the starves tumor. It, yeah, but it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me that they know, like, okay, well, we're gonna try this thing because we know that this kind of tumor responds well to this specific. So they can be more focused with the chemo. It used to be they just sort of set off a bomb inside of you and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why even with stage four cancer, the survival rates for for colon cancer, stage four colon cancer, the
0: survival rates are good. That's right. So I think they are for colon cancer in general. general. But, you know, this is why. If you desire. You should donate to cancer research Mm -hmm. because without cancer research, they would never have discovered how to attack this from a genetic perspective. I don't think. Right. And all the
2: immune therapies and stuff. I mean, those are so important. I think that's the future of it for sure. I Mm -hmm. agree with you. I heard something on
0: NPR about how they treated cancer in the 1800s. And I guess they had discovered they had a cancer patient who also had strep throat. And the strep throat infection was so intense that that cancer patient's immune system kicked into overdrive and the cancer shrunk. Mm. So then they thought, uh, well, how do we kick the immune system into overdrive? So they started, I may be misquoting this. I heard it when my aunt, my aunt died of ovarian Mm. cancer. And I heard it when she was ill with it, which was probably seven years ago. So I'm probably massively misquoting this. But what I remember them saying was they would actually give cancer patients strep throat to treat cancer um, because it would kick their immune system into overdrive and it was somewhat effective it was I'm sure more like setting off a bomb in your, in your mm. body and hoping for the best I'm sure it didn't work for everybody but I thought that was really fascinating that even back then mm-hmm. they had figured out the immune system being mm-hmm. boosted it was an effective treatment for some cancer patients and I felt like they left that like chemo You're, showed right. up and that went oh Chemo works so much better. Forget the immune. And now they've remembered it again or Mm -hmm. discovered it or whatever. However, your your immune system to recognize
1: and fight it. Yeah. So for me, the Keytruda immunotherapy didn't work, but that doesn't mean another immunotherapy wouldn't necessarily work. Um, It's just, you know, a matter of finding the right cocktail Mm -hmm. for what keeps you going. And the longer you keep going, the more they, I mean, there were advances even between the first time I did chemo and when I restarted it. Right. There was a there was an anti nausea drug that used to be like I would get a drip that would take another fifteen minutes or thirty minutes of my chemo time because I would be there for you know whatever six hours right. getting the different chemos. Um, so they would have to do this drip of this anti nausea drug, and then they discovered that they could just they call it a push. So it was like in a syringe and they would just sort of push it into the IV and they could do it that way. But that was an innovation that happened even just between Jan- or March of, or April of 2018 and January of 2019.
0: That's amazing. Less so, than a year.
1: Yeah, like things are changing mm-hmm. and getting better all the time. Um, That's so
0: hopeful. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's really hopeful.
1: And a lot of doctors are embracing eastern medicine again which i think is so important I because agree. it's not just about the chemo you have to change everything you have to change your mindset you have to start meditating you have to start doing some kind of having some kind of spiritual practice it doesn't i mean i'm not telling people that they have to go to church at all because i don't go to church but i definitely took a moment to sort of consider my partnership with the divine and what that means for me and 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 who I and and how the divine kind of manifests itself in me and what I can do to kind of control the things that I can control you know with things like yoga and meditation and prayer or whatever that is for you I mean some meditation and prayer can be the same thing Uh, I discovered kundalini yoga which is sort of it's not as it's not as physical a yoga it's more of a movement- based meditation mm-hmm. mantra based yoga and there's just different Kundalini mantras and and you know there's different movements that you do that are meant to sort of
0: align your chakras align your chakras mm-hmm.
1: but also you know sort of rid the body of certain energy you know, energies and yeah. emotions and totally. things like that and I mean, life-changing life-changing for me
0: truly yeah it is amazing
1: and i mean they were the 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 reaction that i had i mean the fact that my chemo i mean my cancer was gone as fast as it was they didn't really they didn't have an explanation for it right and i was like you gotta do both you gotta do both
0: i agree with you there's this great book called uh you can heal your life by louise hay it's a very old book
1: do you know this book? I love Louise Hay. I have like a deck of
0: Louise Hay cards that she, I That book, uh, she wrote that book. I guess she became a healer after she healed herself basically from cancer because she thought my toxic thoughts, mm-hmm. even the subconscious thoughts, are causing illness in my body. Mm-hmm. So I have cancer. I'm going to treat cancer medically, but I have to change my toxic thinking or it's just going to come back. So she started, she started um, figuring out how to do that. She wrote this book. I read this book in probably 1990. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it was not a new book then. Mm. Um, It's a book that's still on every, on the shelf in every Barnes and Noble. It's still very popular because she really writes the book the way you should be talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. So she'll say, I deserve happiness. Like that's how it's written. So as you're reading it, it's as if you're saying that mm-hmm. to yourself. It's a really powerful book. Oh, cool. I'm going to have to get it. Um, she yes. also in the book lists maladies and what energetically causes those maladies and mm-hmm. then how you can change your thinking to address that malady, which I thought was really fascinating also because they kind of make sense. You know, if you have a problem with the knee, you have a fear of moving forward. Mm-hmm. okay, well, you can't move forward very effectively if your knee's out. Right. That makes sense to me. So she kind of, a lot of it is very kind of commonsensical mm-hmm. and new agey and
1: it is super new agey. I think there is, you know, like I said, there's, the, there's this balance of doing both. And somebody brought up to me recently sort of, not to counter all of this, but just a, something to be mindful of is is getting or not being able to cure yourself of cancer suddenly becomes a character flaw mm. because suddenly if you're not able to do it, if you can't, because I worry about this, if I don't do it right, if I haven't somehow channeled the right kind of energy, if I'm not, you know, meditating right, if I'm not speaking positively to my to myself all the time, Am I doing it wrong? Is it going to come back? Is it somehow something that is a character flaw? And that's just one of those, I think, part of the sort of great unknown about all of it, the why, the how. Um, but I think there is that there there is a bit of that danger in, like I said, in create in making and considering it a character flaw.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know to <clears> not be able to yeah. rid it, to rid yourself yeah. of it. Right. And I mean, that's one thing after having breast cancer and stuff, you know, I thought a lot about like, is it going to come back? Is it going to come back? Is it going to come back? And then now, you know, I have this thing on my ovary and I'm like, oh, did I do that? You know, did I worry so much about it coming back that it is coming back? You know, so I think that's like something that I know that I need to work on more. I tried I tried yoga, and I would just find myself laying there thinking about what I need to do when I mm, leave this class. Your to-do list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I need to figure something out. And there's only, what did he say, like a 10% chance that this is cancer. But they oh. won't know until I have my surgery.
0: So explain and, a little more so people listening, because everybody mm-hmm. knows you. Right, right, right. So um, what's happening
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I mean, I've been on the tamoxifen for four years. Yeah. Four years. And after I saw my oncologist the last time for my checkup, I started having some spotting that really I shouldn't have had because of, so I was like, so I was pregnant, then I was nursing, then I had chemo and then I was on tamoxifen. So it kind of um, pushed my body into menopause basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I hadn't had a cycle and except for the random one here and one there for years. So I knew that when this was happening, that this wasn't, this was something unusual. Um, and so I did go to the doctor and she sent me for an ultrasound. And then I went to a specialist, a gynecologist specialist, and he did another, he did a biopsy of my uterus. And that was talking about the thickening and stuff that can be a side effect of tamoxifen, but it's with your uterus can thicken. And I guess it's supposed to be like three millimeters and mine was 12. Whoa. Um, That's very thick. Yeah, That's hardy. I was like, that's a hardy uterus. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So um, and so he did a biopsy of that and he did a biopsy of um, a polyp that he found. Um, And apparently, I guess this polyp was being pushed out of my cervix. And that's what probably could have caused some of the spotting and stuff like that. So he took that and biopsied that. And that was both of those have been negative, which is good. That is good. But then he did another ultrasound um, to check out the cyst in my uterus And, um, he also checked the lining again and the lining just from the end of January to, I think somewhere in February it had, he measured it at 16 millimeters. So I was like, okay, so is it getting thicker are these things getting bigger? And he sent me for another ultrasound to check my ovary. And he said that it had grown a little bit. The thing on my ovary had grown a little bit from the first ultrasound to that last ultrasound. So he's like, well, I could do the surgery, um, but now we're going to have to go in and we're going to have to check out that ovary. So he sent me to a um, gynecological oncologist. Mm-hmm. It's like I have to concentrate on saying that word. A, gynecological it's a, oncologist. It's a um, tongue twister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so that now I'm going to have, um, they're going to remove the ovary and they're going to biopsy it. And then they're going to do the other things to clean out all of the uterus and the cysts and stuff like that. Um, but they won't know for sure if it's cancer or not until they actually get in there and do it. So I'll go to sleep not knowing. And I'll wake up either. I'll wake up with just having my ovary removed in a fallopian tube, or I'll wake up having had like a full on hysterectomy wow. and then having to go like back to chemo and stuff like that. But, um, I'm hoping that it's even if it is cancer, that they're catching it early enough that it won't be too dangerous, but I'm still 10% is, I feel like a good number. <laughs> But you know, breast cancer, it was only a 20% chance. And then with the hematoma that I had during one of my after one of my surgeries, that was like a 1% chance. So I'm like, I feel like I win the lotteries that nobody wants to win. <laughs> so, you know, when I wake up and I hear the it wasn't cancer, then I think that's when I can relax a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, for Do you now know when the
0: surgery is
2: yeah. It's the end of April.
0: End of April. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And
2: actually it was funny because they gave the first date that they gave me as a possibility was April 15th. And I'm like, oh, that's my birthday. Uh, and I already passed. spent I already spent my birthday in the hospital with one of with my one of my reconstructive surgeries and stuff. And I granted it was a great birthday because I woke up from surgery. You know, I was like, this is the worst. And then I woke up and I'm like, this is the best. Right. Right. <laughs> But yeah, and Scott's going to be out of town um, for three weeks. They're doing a sequel to Dead Season, that uh, zombie movie that he did. That's awesome. We were talking about that earlier. He's in like, he's in get in shape mode. So he's been like, Working out twice a day and running because he's gonna be it's like well, that's never a bad thing. Yeah, get <laughs> never toss toss, never okay. a bad Shirtless thing. Shirtless mode. Yeah, I know exactly. he he
0: showed his tummy on yeah. Facebook. I was like, holy cow, he has a <laughs> legit washboard stomach. Nice, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never course, know what's under those clothes, do you? Uh, yeah. Right?
2: yeah, and that's great for him. But then I'm on the opposite where right. I've like gained ten pounds since taking tamoxifen. So I, he's like getting all in shape, and I'm just like. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a weird uh, nothing thing to feel jealous of your spouse, isn't right? it?
1: Right. I deal with that a lot because my husband is we have a production company and we make uh, we make films and he does a lot of work in Vancouver. So he's up in Vancouver and it's a beautiful city and he's like exploring the city <laughs> and kid he's free. living his kid free. <laughs> he's living his life. Now he is up there and he's missing us right. and feeling like, am I did I abandon them? You know, I'm not with them. Am I doing my job? Am I, am I doing, you know, so he, I mean, he has this his right own choice thing. Like yeah. I mean, he's not, it's not like he's up there just footloose and fancy free, but from my perspective, it's still like, you know, this isn't something that affects you on a daily basis mm-hmm. in the yeah. same way. I mean, right. he thinks about it all the time. Of course, I don't want to belittle his own experience with it, but like, I do feel jealous that he just gets to be up there and, you know, work on building our business and have these meetings and make movies. And, you know, it just isn't, it's just not the same. And, mm-hmm. and it's just a weird thing to feel envious of your spouse in that way. Mm-hmm. Just of their, freedom, of their
0: freedom. You mean their freedom, your, your perceived their freedom. Yes. Yes. Because you, know, you perceive it as uh, so, freedom, right? But it may not actually be freedom. Right. It may not be as free as you think. I know. He doesn't
1: consider it that at all.
0: No, no. Well, you know, my husband travels too. I don't know if you know what my husband does. Mm. He's a stand-up comedian. So he's never home. Um, and we talk about this all the time. I'm never jealous of him because I would never want his life. Mm. It, I, there's no way I would want that life ever. But I do get frustrated when he comes home and... Um, and explodes in the house and then leaves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it has no accountability for the tornado he's just caused in my house when in my brain I have to go you know he he is working so hard he is busting his ass he is like literally burning the candle at every end and I need to just not be upset by that I don't get jealous of him but I do get I get angry. I have to shift my perspective Mm -hmm. and say, you know, this isn't never been in his wheelhouse to be a clean person. So you have to expect it when he shows up. But like, like this morning, the closet vomited into our bathroom (laughs) and I was like, what happened? And then he today was like, you know, I work so hard. I work so hard. I'm not even here to put my laundry away. So if you don't put my laundry away, it just piles up. The underlayer of that is when he comes home, he explodes his stuff in the closet and I can't get to the places to put his laundry away. And then I tantrum and go, fuck you, you should have (laughs) cleaned this up. I can't even reach where your pants go. So now I have to clean up the mess you made so that I can put your laundry away. Mm. Um, Scott does his own now. (laughs) He does? (laughs) I wish.
2: Oh,
1: see, we're exactly opposite because Christopher is such a neat freak. (sighs) Like, the house is just you know, his place up in Vancouver is immaculate. Right. And when he's home, our house is so much cleaner. And it used to be on re-entry because he's traveled our whole marriage for various things, you know, either filmmaking or acting when he was still acting or whatever it was. So we would always have this sort of re-entry period because I would get into a rhythm with the girls. Yeah. and We call it that too, re yeah. yeah. And we wouldn't, you know, I just don't see mess in the same way that he does like mm-hmm. a pile of papers doesn't bother me mm-hmm. if the floor hasn't been swept in a couple of days well now it bothers me because he broke me but <laughs> uh, it used to not bother me so he would come home and he would get really frustrated because he would see these piles and he would see you know um a mess in places that I didn't see a mess and so then we would have to like er, kind of get back in together now we've kind of worked out a bit more of a system he understands like he's you know, he's just gotten a little more relaxed about. I think cancer also makes you kind of
0: put not things sweat in perspective, small stuff right, right, right. as much. I would because imagine, it's like,
1: well, if there's a speck of dust on the floor, that's fine because here's my wife and she's here and she's not sick anymore and all mm-hmm. of that. So I think that adjusted it as well. And just us, you know, I mean, we've been married for twelve years. I don't know what year is it. What year did i get married it doesn't matter like 12 years something <laughs> yeah, like that long enough long enough that now we kind of the the re entry isn't as uh harsh right because we've both kind of adjusted to to that but um yeah i don't know what the point of, of, of that doesn't Just matter re entry and and you know spouses out of town being jealous of your spouse all of that stuff but um yeah, it's just been really interesting to, to So here's a question Shiana.
0: about while you're going through cancer. Uh-huh. Did you have any uh resentment or negativity toward healthy people?
1: Oh, all the time. You did. Oh, all the time. I would walk around and I would just be like, in fact, um I was in home goods in September before I was re-diagnosed when it was like the I was my therapist calls it, I was in the hallway. Mm. Because I was waiting. I was waiting. So I was in the hallway. And so I'm in Home Goods, and I'm looking around and I was like, fuck these people. All these people are just healthy. They're just walking around. They can just (laughs) live their lives. I'm like, "Ah, I don't need this. I don't want this Thanksgiving. Live, laugh, love. Fuck that. I'm not (laughs) thankful for anything. Like, you know, it was a whole thing, crying. And of course, all of these people, I don't know anything about them. They could very well be going through. I mean, everybody has something. They could all be in the hallway. I don't know. (laughs) But in my mind, yes, completely. Look around like all of you and still now. Like you all just get to live your lives. Like everybody has like worries. All yeah. parents worry totally. like what if I'm not there for my kids someday? Yeah. It's all but it's all ethereal. It's all, you know, sort of just in that nebulous it's what abstract. if it's abstract. Yeah. That's the word I want. That's another thing that happens with chemo, is you lose all your words, which for a writer
2: mm-hmm. is too. a I forget thing. people's
0: names. That's all the time with me. Yeah. yeah, that's something Kim said also, yep. the the other lady I did. Mm-hmm. Um, chemo brain. Kim. But I think, I have a
1: theory about chemo brain. I'm not sure that it's actually the chemo or just that like a chunk of your brain is always thinking about cancer. Mm-hmm. So you're never 100% anywhere. Present, right. Because there's always a little running something. Right. And every once in a while, I'll be doing something And I'll remember. So I'll know that I, you know, I will have been, I I forgot for a minute. Right. But it's never for more than a, you know, a few minutes at a time that then I have that like kick in and and whatever. So I think chemo brain is just also related to your brain being distracted all the time. Because you're just like, what if what if what if it comes back what is that pain is right. that a thing oh yeah is this you know my, my hip is hurting right. i'm like is there cancer oh. in my bone right. and they're like that's that not same, a thing yeah
2: i had a pain in my foot and it went, went on for a couple of weeks and I, i'm like i don't remember doing anything to my foot and then i went to the doctor and i'm thinking to myself can you get cancer in your foot? And he's like, you have plantar fasciitis. And I'm like, okay, now do I feel silly and old?
0: Right. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I now got bursitis I or something in my hip. I head. need some
2: orthotics.
0: Right. That's all exactly. I need. Some orthotics. Roll your foot on some ice and you'll be okay. That's right. crazy. I would imagine, um, I'm glad the dumpster is banging in the background, but um, I would imagine a lot of people feel resentment for healthy people. Um, I think I would. I yeah. would I would feel very resentful that nobody well, understands think, my burden. Yeah. I think it's similar to of. when
2: like a close family member dies suddenly. Yeah. And you go to the grocery store. I remember that happening when my brother passed away and going to the grocery store and looking around and being so angry. Like, how can these people go on like the world is OK when my brother just died? Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I think it's similar when you have cancer. You look around and you're like, don't they know? Yeah, You know, this horrible thing that's happening. Especially
1: this time, Mm -hmm. because I don't have any outward symptoms. Mm -hmm. The first time I lost all my hair and I could walk around and I'd be like, oh, that's cancer lady. It's a whole it's well, it's two sets of problems, because one, when you're the cancer lady, then you get the sympathetic head tilt and the flash of thank God it's not me. And the, you know, just people don't know what to say and they don't know what to do. And they give you a thousand mugs and things that say (laughs) fuck cancer and. I'm here to tell you, the PSA, we, m- we don't need any mugs or tea. We, we got it <laughs> right. covered. We have all the mugs and tea. All we That's need is funny. just like, how are you? What without, was helpful for you
0: during this process? Was hopeful it was for me?
1: Helpful. Because helpful. She
0: had told us several things that was helpful for them when they were going through this process. People, you know, having a meal the, train. Whatever. Yes, meal trains are great.
1: Anytime somebody says to you, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come over and do your laundry. I'm going to bring you a meal. I'm going to pick up your kids. You know, I'm going to take your kids to the movies, whatever it is. But they tell you what they're going to do. They don't say, what can I do? Because that puts a burden on you Ah, to think of something that they can do. So just it doesn't matter. Like, even if you bring over, you know, like find out what they like to eat and bring them a little something, something healthy. don't bring crap because they're suddenly, I mean, I certainly was all of a sudden very aware of what I was putting in my body. And, you know, of course, I'm grateful for every meal or whatever that people brought over. But like, if I could tell people in advance, bring something healthy, bring something Mm -hmm. vegan, because no one's, even if they're not vegan, they will appreciate a meal and being vegan, it will be clean and all of that. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm going to anything, anything, as long as you tell them what you're going to do. Right. Um, just recently I had a friend, I'm directing the musical at my kid's school because I don't have anything else to do in my life. Um, (laughs) it's this weekend. Xanadu jr. It's going to be great. Xanadu jr. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Are there roller skates? There are no roller skates. I had to promise the principal that there would be no roller skating. (laughs) Oh, because she was very worried about the roller skating. So there are no roller skates, but there is plenty of glitter and ELO music. I love it. The kids are playing in a live band. Amazing. It's going to be amazing. I
0: love Xanadu the movie. Oh, yes. You know, we almost named this room Manadu. Oh, there you go. I was going to have it painted outside. Manadu. And now I lost my train
1: of thought. What was I talking about? Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: You were saying.
1: Oh, uh, my friend. So I've been directing this thing, and she was like, I'm coming to help you with rehearsal one day. I'm not taking no. I know you need help. I know you're overwhelmed.
0: I'm just coming. tell me the day. Mm-hmm. I'm coming. Yeah.
1: So it was just like that kind of stuff. That's super helpful. Um, I did get a lot of really delicious fluffy blankets, which I personally loved. Um, I got a lot of them. So, I mean, you know, but if you're looking for mm-hmm. something, I think, you know, a knit hat is always a nice thing mm-hmm. to get. Um or something consumable like food or whatever, because I had it- friends
2: donate to a cleaning company. Yes. So I had credit so I could have someone come and clean yes. the house once a week.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because I
2: was had all these surgeries and I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So that was something I think a lot of people didn't think about. People think about the food and stuff. But then here I'm sitting in my house thinking I can't carry things. I can't do yeah. this and that and the other thing. And I can't scrub the tub. So that was really really helpful.
1: There is an organization
2: mm-hmm. that cleaning provides cleaning for a cause. They do four. for. A cause.
1: Yeah. Um but they're mm-hmm. like booked up. I looked into it. They're What's really it called? Bu- it's cleaning called for cleaning.
0: a cause. Cleaning for a cause. Yeah. And
1: they 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 it's it's house cleaners who volunteer to come in and clean your house mm-hmm. and you know which is while you have cancer it's specifically for cancer patients. Right. Um but there are actually a lot of uh organizations that are really kind of dedicated to providing support services for cancer patients and um, actually one of them is the Foundation for Living Beauty which I think is oh right the 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 organization that that we that I want to support okay that actually
2: works out really well we're gonna do a beauty counter um, online pop-up and the proceeds we're gonna donate to this organization it actually sounds like it'll fit really well with the beauty counter Um, you know, as a company. It does.
1: It does. So the Foundation for Living Beauty was created by a woman. um, I'm blanking on her name. Sorry, but chemo is real. Um, (laughs) Her mother had breast cancer and she created this group to be a support system for women that was kind of nurturing and allowing women to explore alternative healing modalities and really getting that, second source of support so they have all kinds of really amazing yoga retreats and this goddess wellness retreat where you go for four days to this That's awesome place in malibu it's like a it's a it's a, a monastery in malibu oh i think wow. i've been there. Um, I think I've think walked around that place. it's a beautiful place mm-hmm. anybody can go and it is called something that i'm not going to remember because um chemo brain I, chemo brain and also just on the spot i, I won't remember what it's called um, but it's in Malibu, and if you look up, it's a Fran- Franciscan Friars retreat. If you Google those two things, I'm sure it would mm-hmm. come up. But it, it was just—it was four days of, you know, meditation, essential oils, eating workshops, um, you know, a sound bath. That's another thing I highly recommend. It yeah, sound bath. What is it's a sound bath? bath.
2: <laughs> I've, not, heard, I've heard the phrase too. And oh my like, gosh! No idea what Y'all, that is.
1: It is glorious. So. A sound bath is when you you lay and you meditate and a I don't know what they call themselves an artist or a you know a a, a yogi but a sound bath person a healer maybe yeah. they would call themselves they have an array of specifically tuned instruments bowls usually either a crystal bowl or sometimes you know the metal bowl you've seen or yeah. chimes they have this beautiful thing that's called an an ocean drum Mm. that's like a rain stick, but it's wide and flat, like it's round and wide and flat. And you tilt it from side to side and it sounds like the ocean. So your body is receiving all of these Mm. healing, soothing, beautiful tones, and they're all designed to have a specific effect on the body. And you come out of it just feeling rejuvenated and refreshed and relaxed and like it's lovely and there are lots of places that do it there are people that do private sound baths um i go to the yogi tree i don't know if i can shout them out but the yogi tree center for growth and they have sound baths there Mm -hmm. um and usually my kundalini classes will end with a short meditation and sound bath there but um anyway so yeah like sound baths amazing i highly recommend um and then so this, but this organization, so we had all these lovely things. And and so, um, but they, you know, they also did like this essential oil workshop that I got to go to. And this woman came in and taught us all about essential oils. She gave us a bunch of um, samples so I could go home and like really see what kind of essential oils were affected for me. One of them was really great for sleep. Ooh. If I don't have to take something for sleep. Yeah, it's so much better. I've been taking Ativan, but like mm. Ativan makes me super oh, emo.
2: It makes me sad. Ativan yes. Says, yeah, it's I a dark. Yeah. yeah, I can't take it for more than a day. It mm-hmm. helps with nausea also. It does. That's what I would try to take it for was nausea. But then I noticed if I took it for more than a day or two, I'd suddenly feel really sad. Yes. How yeah. crazy. Super dark.
1: You go yeah. there. It's a very dark place. Interesting. Like the coming off of Ativan. Because mm-hmm. I think it affects your serotonin levels. Probably. So, um, Interesting. But it does help. It did help me sleep. Oh, yes. But, it yeah. will put you out right to sleep. It's a delicious <laughs> way. The, 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 the going to sleep <laughs> is great. The
0: next right. day you're like,
1: why is everything
2: so hard? <laughs> it's so dark. I think mine was, Why Why can't I can't go back
0: to sleep? sleep. Exactly. So what oil helped you with sleep?
1: Well, it's a blend that she uh, does. So I don't know. unfortunately, I can't don't know. say because it's secret.
0: So, so <laughs> but, um, were you in therapy during the process of or any kind of counseling? Not
1: the first time, but okay. this time yeah. I am because what happened was I kicked it. Yep, I was good. And I went right back to all the old ways. Ah. I stopped meditating. Mm. I started, I went, we spent the summer in Vancouver and I made some lovely friends who were so much fun. But they were like, you want a glass? Have a glass. Let's have a glass of wine. Yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. And that glass would end up being like two bottles. Yeah. Like, and we would, I mean, it was great fun. We had the best time. But then I would find myself just being angry Mm. and like, I don't know. I was jealous of Christopher because he's like working and I'm just there with the kids and normally I'm a woman who works and I wasn't doing anything. So like being a full-time mom was a tough gig.
0: Yeah, it and is. And
1: I didn't know anybody in Vancouver and I just ended up, you know, I just fell off the wagon completely.
0: Off in a ditch a bit sounds like. It was off in yes, a ditch. off
1: in a ditch. Totally off in a ditch. And I, you know, and I, so I was angry. I was drinking. I wasn't, eating as well, all the things. And sure enough, in September, it was back. So this time, I'm like, I got to figure out, first of all, if my anger is a contributing factor, I got to figure out how to manage that. Right. I need to figure out how to manage the guilt. If I'm, you know, like I was talking about earlier, am I doing this right? If I think negative thoughts, am I going to give myself cancer again? I had to deal with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was like, I got to... It's it's time I gotta right. go back to therapy or I get you know go to, I mean I've been in therapy before but not for cancer right um, so I started doing therapy um, has I've
0: it just, been, has it helped you I think
1: so there have been some some good things that we've talked about um, she does a thing she tells me to do a thing that's like where are my feet if I start to panic if I start to get really like in my head just taking stock of the actual physicality of that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. What are the sensations that I'm feeling just sort of takes you out of it. Right. You know, I'm sitting on this couch. I can feel the leather. My arm is a little sweaty. So I'm sort of sticking to the leather a little bit. My feet are a little tingly, but I can feel my My boots, my feet are sandy, whatever it is that I'm feeling. But, you know, just specifically to that moment, it can kind of take you out of Mm -hmm. it a little bit. The other thing that I've just started doing that I'm loving is when I start getting ready for bed, I light a candle
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and I do all of my, you know, I take my CBD, THC, I do my face, I, you know, um, take my, I breathe in my essential oils. I pick my nighttime meditation that I'm going to go to sleep to. I get all that stuff set up. And the very last thing I do turn out my light and then I started saying, I release the worries of the day and I blow out the candle. Ooh, so it's like
0: cool. it goes with the flame. It goes
1: with the flame and yeah. the smoke and it's that's like great releasing it into the ether. And that was um, the candle thing was something that she hmm, recommended cool. doing, I which I'm really loving that. Yeah. doing. That sounds um, very Louise Hay.
0: It is very Louise yeah, Hay. It's very Louise Hay. And
1: she is not a very Louise Hay therapist. No, but
0: but that particular but that
1: particular thing yeah. really
0: resonated with me. Um, you know, I just listened to this podcast. I talked about this yesterday on the podcast I recorded yesterday. It's called The Happiness Project. Oh. Uh, yeah. Have you heard this podcast? Oh, yes. I. Uh, that is Gretchen Rubin. No, l- that's a different one. That's, that's called The Happiness. Um, no, that's not, that's happiness. So no, it's not. No, this oh, well, is a professor at Yale. Oh, well, then I'm... Oh. Oh.
1: Is this Sean whatever? No,
2: that's The Happiness Advantage because that was what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I
1: have
0: his
2: book. This. Happiness, yeah. happiness
0: Project? He was, uh, yeah. I think it's The
2: Happiness Project. Sean Archer. Sean
0: Archer. But Gretchen Rubin is the happiness... Something. She is the happiness something also. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is this whatever is the happiness something. Okay. a professor at Yale. Okay. okay. And she... um, I have to really pay attention because she's... It's sorry to be not all positive, but... It I get bored and I drift off. Mm-hmm. But so it's like listening to a professor, sure. right? So then at a certain point I started thinking about other things, but the information she's giving me is really great. So I have to really focus when I'm mm-hmm. listening to it. So she there was another professor at Yale. Happiness Lab. Happiness Lab. Oh, okay. Sorry. You're Happiness right. Lab. Happiness Project is Gretchen Rubin. Okay. I was Happiness like, Lab. I, you know. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. <gasps> Happiness Yay, Lab. Yay, I
1: got one thing in my chemo <laughs> brain. I was right. <laughs>
0: The Happiness well, Lab. you're going to
2: have to list all the books you talked about because I can't remember
0: any of them with my chemo brain. Right. <laughs> I, I think that maybe, I'll, I'll just put them on my website. Okay. But um, the Happiness Lab did this episode about gratitude. Mm-hmm. And a Yale professor, not her, but another Yale professor, studied gratitude and how it affects the physical body. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying is that small acts of gratitude, not the big obvious ones like, I'm so grateful I'm alive. I'm so grateful mm-hmm. I have my health. Obviously, those are pretty obvious. We're grateful for those. But like really marking the small ones, like I'm really grateful you loaned me your pencil. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm really grateful for that. And logging them somehow. It doesn't have to be a physical like written log, but saying them out loud or really, really acknowledging those small gratitudes. Mm -hmm. He found lowers cholesterol, lowers Mm -hmm. your blood pressure and seems to help people stay on their long-term goals. Hmm. Particularly, they studied weight loss. So people who were working on weight loss, if they really logged their small gratitude every day, were able to achieve their goals more efficiently, effectively, and maintain them hmm. as opposed to people who didn't do that kind of gratitude um, project. they just didn't weren't as high achieving, I guess, as the mm-hmm. people who had all this gratitude. So I just thought that was such a fascinating way to look at how you end your day. Mm-hmm. As I had said to my kid, my kids and I do this thing at dinner. And my, and my husband, when he's here, we say, well, what's your favorite part of the day? What's your least favorite part of the day? And now we've added, what are you grateful for? And it can't be anything big. Okay. Uh, it has to be something really small. And it's amazing to watch them process their day and find something they're really grateful about. That simple. Mm-hmm. Like it's super easy to see the big things. Uh, so I've asked them to, to just, at night, before you go to bed, just write down what you said at dinner. You've already said it, so you don't have to come up with it. Right. Just write it down. And it, you don't have to say, I am grateful for it. You can mm-hmm. just say, Tommy loaned me his pencil. Right. I mean, the journal is about gratitude. So it all goes without saying, you're grateful for whatever you've written there. And I, you know, it's hard to get a kid to journal. But I've started doing that myself. And I'm a pretty grateful person. Like, I'm one of those people that walks around in the day listening for God. (laughs) Uh, I'm not religious, but I am really spiritual and I feel very connected to God. Mm -hmm. And I watch and listen for what is being said to me. And sometimes there's nothing, but sometimes when something happens, I go, that was, that was, thank you. Thank you for that moment. Mm -hmm. Thank Mm -hmm. you for
1: God wink, whatever. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. And sometimes they are really simple. Like, you know, finding your keys, like finding your keys, like the Bert putting the keys in the basket, mm-hmm. which never happens. If you puts the keys in the basket, I go, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. But to write it down and to keep a log of it. We were talking about this yesterday. Also, it's amazing to see a body of work.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: if you do it day after day, you feel that day after day. But When you write it down, you can see it.
1: Well, there's power in the written word. A
0: hundred percent. I was a writer, too, for years. Mm-hmm. But Just to see the volume of gratitude in a palatable, like, I can hold it in my hand, Mm -hmm, tangible. Yes, I have. I'm so grateful for all these things. It's got to be life-changing. Yes. It has to be.
1: I mean, I was just at the Oprah, you know, day of whatever it was called, Oprah's wellness tour that she had. Oh, I don't know about this. Oh, she's like going around. It's the, it's, it's, she's partnering with uh WW, which used to be Weight Watchers, and now they just call it WW. Okay. Um and they're doing this wellness tour and she's going all over the country and she has different did, people come and talk and I think I read,
2: didn't she like fall or something
1: during she did the fall. Okay, that's I was there for the falling. <laughs> oh you oh, were there? Um, oh, I was gosh. there. I saw the fall. Um and she handled it beautifully and it was I mean by the end of the day we had kind of all forgotten about oh. it. It really was like not it's becoming like a big thing. People are very like, oh Perfel, Perfel and, I mean, Stedman raced to the side of the stage to make sure she was okay. A couple people came out, got her up. Was it here in L.A.? It was here. Oh, it was okay. at the Forum. Oh, cool. And um, she was like, and she was talking about balance at the time. <laughs> oh, that's, was that's what years. I read. She
2: was talking about that. She was yeah. talking about
1: balance. And then she was like, wrong shoes. So she kicks off her shoes. She walks around barefoot. Everything's fine. Yeah. You know? But anyway, at that, um, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the takeaway right, from right, here right. because it wasn't the definitely, it mm-hmm. definitely wasn't the takeaway for me from that day. Um but she did talk about the power of, of gratitude and writing it down and having that connection to, you know, that physical connection to the things in your life that that you're grateful for. And I think, yeah, there's been lots of studies about the power of joy and happiness. Renee Brown talks about it mm-hmm. a I lot. Love her. She does. Yeah. I love her. I love so her because she's just so Texan. Texan, <laughs> she's so relatable. Yeah, it's it, none of it is and pretense. she presents
0: herself as a flawed human. Yes, right? mm-hmm. it's all. That it's all
1: just like. I'm working through my shit. Yeah. If you're working through your like, she's like, if you're not in the arena, then you, I don't, I'm not interested. If you're not working on yourself too, then I don't, I'm not interested in your opinion. But if you're in it with me, then yeah. let's go. And I love that. Like yeah. she's so awesome. But she also, you know, does a lot of research on on shame and vulnerability, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. the flip side of that, I think, which is joy and hope and love. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's been so many studies that show that, and yet as humans. We always go. The first thing is, you know, the negative. Like this, uh, well, the coronavirus is a prime example. Yeah, we're all going to this extreme place of fear. Get all the water. Get all the toilet paper, y'all. No one ever said the basic city services are going away. Right. right. No right. one's losing water. Right. No, no right. One's, one's losing water. I know. It's like, it's like. You, you can still go through. to the store, right. grab some toilet paper, and come home. Yeah. Right. It's well. not like. It's I'm fine. always stocked
2: up on toilet paper though because I hate being out.
1: Yes. So yeah, I, am I get it from
2: Amazon and I do <laughs> auto delivery. Yeah, exactly, I just auto exactly. ship.
1: That's the other thing. Ooh, cancer people and everybody. Set up auto ship for like toilet paper, paper towels, dish soap, laundry soap, hands, like just the shampoo, shampoo. Just the stuff that out you out always yeah, use. You and you don't it. want to forget, I have that stuff. Dog food. I never have to lug in a big old thing of dog food. Oh, that's on auto ship. I get it. You know, you set up whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, then you're supporting the devil. The devil that is Amazon. The devil. <laughs> well, you could
0: go to Chewy. I was, hmm. You could do Chewy. They do auto ship too. What's Chewy? Chewy.com is for dog food. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Dog food, cat food, and chicken food. Chicken. Mm-hmm. Food. They do it all auto ship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, it's a it's a brave thing, I think, to to face cancer. I think. Uh, we were talking earlier about my aunt who was a nurse and had ovarian cancer. And I think she knew she had it before she went, long time before she went to the doctor mm-hmm. and was afraid.
1: Mm-hmm. No.
0: And instead of just going in there and warrioring up and saying, get this shit out and let's move on with life, to an extent, obviously. Life is, I'm sure, never the same. She, and I think many people like her perhaps made the choice to push it aside because it's scary.
1: Well, that's you what went with my grandfather. And it was a really interesting sort of a family, I don't know, legend in mm-hmm. a way, a family story that he waited too long. Everybody would be like, he waited too long. He was afraid. He was afraid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he didn't go. And he, and he waited too long. And there was this feeling of, I always got a sense that everybody was, a little mad at him for not going soon enough and I was always like check your body you gotta go you gotta yeah. go but then when it happened to me the same thing interesting the same thing so I didn't inherit his cancer but I did inherit that
0: but it's, it's human nature I think I think it is I, I did a podcast with Bert with Jim Gaffigan's wife who had a pear-shaped tumor in her brain mm-hmm. it was a benign tumor but it obviously was in her brain so it affected all kinds of stuff and she kept saying you know that's weird I can't really walk in high heels shoes anymore I odd. can't really keep my balance huh I can't really hear out of this ear but never went past the just noticing hmm. and you know was at a pediatrician's appointment with her five children and the doctor was talking to her and she couldn't hear the doctor because she was in her deaf ear and the doctor was like I think you really need to have that checked and she was like, if I had never taken my kids to pediatrician, mm-hmm. I would have died. You know, it would have killed me at some point because it was right at her brainstem and it was pushing mm. the stem against the side. And it was, that's why she had no balance. That's why yeah. she was losing her hearing. Um, and the recovery from that was not a joke. It was mm. crazy. She wrote a book about it mm. called when life gives you Pears. Oh, um, and it was a really, cause it was a pear shaped tumor sure. tumor. Um, but that was part of what I got from her book is that we especially as busy moms push through and keep on going for sure and are like it's fine it's nothing I don't have any history or I don't know my grandfather didn't get it till he was 80 and you know I have colon cancer history in my family but they are all 70 or 80 when they get it Mm -hmm. so my doctor's like when you turn 50 we're going to start your colonoscopies Mm -hmm. it's going to start at 50 you're just going to have it all the time not worry about it because oh, it's in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I will say, I'm going to take this yeah. moment to do my little cancer PSA. There is an
1: easier way to detect colon cancer now because colon cancer is the fastest rising cancer in people under 50. Mm. And it's hard to get insurance companies. I think now they're recommending colonoscopy start at 45, which is great. Right. Right? Oh, yeah. They asked me if I'd had one at my earlier detection the other day, yeah. is key. But now they have a um, a test you can get in the drugstore. And Mm. you poop and you wipe a little bit of the poop on a piece of card paper Mm. and it's a specific test and then you mail it off and they check it. So it's completely non-invasive. It's not the whole rigmarole of the colonoscopy situation, Uh, which, by the way, people fear and they're like, oh, God, it's going to be so terrible. The prep is the worst part and it's not the best 12 hours of your life, but like it's completely doable. So people don't let your fear of the colonoscopy prevent you. From getting one because it's not as terrible as people say it is. Right. Um, but you can do this test, and I mean I've seen commercials for mm-hmm. it now. Yeah,
2: I think and I you have can to. send it off, and well, then that's like, that's like with mammograms. People are afraid to get mammograms, but I, you know, what I say is I say, well, cancer hurts worse.
0: Cancer does hurt <sighs> worse, and a mammogram is, if f- five minutes, mm-hmm. it's really not that it's bad. Five people minutes. freak out about mm-hmm.
1: it, and I'm all, every time I'm like, I wasn't. What is wrong? You know, and I mean, I've had two colonoscopies now and I've got the prep down. So <laughs> I use soup prep. It's two small bottles of stuff. Some people use a gallon of stuff. I use I like the soup prep. Is this like for an enema? It's well, it's a it's a drink. A drink. So what I do, here's what you do. If you get the soup prep, you get the soup prep. It's a little bottle. You get it really cold and you put a straw in it. And you suck. You hold your nose, suck down as much as you can, have a piece of lemon mm. right next to you. As soon as you finish drinking it, suck on the lemon because it's got this weird sort of bitter medicinal kind of aftertaste. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the mm-hmm. worst part of it. But the lemon for me counteracts that. So I suck on the lemon and then um, I drink a little water and then I go back in until I've drunk this whole little, it's like a yu sized bottle. And, um, and then you just have to drink water. Right.
0: And then you pee out your butt. Sounds like a body <laughs> shot. Yeah. Like, drink, lemon. Yeah. Drink, Pretty lemon. much. Drink, pretty lemon. Much. And then you, you um, and then <laughs> pee you out your You pee out your butt.
1: <laughs> nice. But the thing I was worried about was that, you know, when you have like an upset stomach and you're peeing out of your butt, it's crampy right. and painful and it's terrible. And I was really worried that it was going to be like that. And yeah. it is not. It's not. So it's literally like you feel like you have to poop. You feel like I got to poop right now. Yeah. And you go in the bathroom and you pee out your butt. But awesome. it's not, you don't have the cramping in the <laughs> like, I, mean, I, I was
2: going to say, I have IBS, so I feel like that happens to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go right now. <laughs> right, this minute, yes.
1: Well, and now that I'm missing a foot of my colon, right. there's that too. It's like, and the chemo that I'm on now too also, it's like,
0: oh, no. So no with waiting. the chemo now, is this, this is the path to, to better? There's no surgery for this particular
1: well my I have all the oncologists my my liver surgery surgeon oncologist um does want to take it out. I have two little spots in my liver, and I had two spots in my lung as of um December, the spots in my lungs were pet negative, mm-hmm. so presumed dead awesome. and uh, as of um, a couple weeks ago when I went to see my liver surgeon again um, it's not, there's no uptick on the, um, M- there was no uptick on the MRI with contrast. So the things in my liver appear to also be dead. Um, so i good. I'm NED in theory again, but he does want to take them out because he wants to make sure he wants, because if we take it out, then they can analyze it right, and right. they can be sure. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's dead. This that is actually sense. the, the program. This program is working for you. Got it. Um, so, and you know, the, the chemo effects this time, like the, bottoms of my feet are peeling mm. and I get blisters oh, okay. on the bottoms of my feet. So I have to stay off my feet a lot. And um Ooh. I mean, you know, so easy for a mom who's essentially right. being a single mother totally. to not be on your feet. No problem. Yeah. Um And then... um How much longer do you have to take the chemo? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It might be sort of like a ongoing, ongoing. thing. My pharmacist at the uh, infusion center... Uh, says that he's had patients on Avastin, which is the biologic thing. The other thing that I'm on, Mm. he's got a patient who's been on it for like 10 years. Wow. It is affecting my blood pressure. Mm. So I don't know that they'll keep me on it for that long. But um, even with this time when it came back, they were like, there's like 13 different combinations of drugs that we haven't even tried yet. Wow. So I don't want you thinking, and my my liver guy was like, we're still looking towards cure for you. Like even with it coming back, I still- see that path for you that's great and i'm like great love let's that path that. i love that. I, but, that. that I choose that i choose that yeah
0: we never did tell the story of how we told our kids do you want to do oh, you want to tell yeah. that story yeah do we have time i don't have time okay. I, I ran out of time 10 minutes ago but you know, well i, I it. being it was
2: breast cancer real quick i told them i you know I, they were little also and i said you know it's like you're your teddy bear and if something happens to the stuffing inside your teddy bear we have to take the bad stuffing out and then we put in new stuffing. And that's basically, that's I said, so that's... I have a big bump right here and the doctor's gonna take it out and then he's gonna put in something new. Mm-hmm. So I, that was, I think, a kind of a relatable thing that could help kind of explain it to a kid. And I think that might work for, you know, different types of cancer. Totally. Like, even, you know, like, oh yeah, I have this like little thing here, they have to take it out and then it's gonna be okay. The doctor takes out the bad stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's a
0: great way of putting that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: kind mm-hmm. of simplified. What yeah,
1: I just, I just, I just, I told them, you know, I have this thing. It's called a tumor. Um, eventually it came out. One of Emerson's friends, like, in sort of a terrible way, told her that I had cancer. Oh, um, so no. that was sort of a mess. But beyond that, when they came home and we started talking about it, I was like, okay, here's the deal. That tumor thing that I had, we already knew that that was, I have a tumor. It's a thing in my colon. They're going to take it out, whatever. Um, this is. It, it's a, a thing called cancer. And there are two different kinds of cancers. There's a really scary, bad kind. And then there's a not so scary kind. Mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. you know, you have it. They find it. They take it out. You have some medicine. You know, the medicine can be a little hard and I'll lose my hair mm-hmm. and whatever. But you'll be, I'll be okay. Right. That's the kind that I have. But when grown ups hear the word cancer, they think of the other kind. Right. So that's why you're going to see people looking very worried and concerned. That's really smart because they're gonna they're gonna be thinking that but i want you to know the truth of what it is and you know it's this so Mm -hmm. you know that that's what it is Mm -hmm. and so i mean you know there was obviously more to it than that but that was essentially what we talked about um the stuffing thing is really good too i mean especially when they're little it's like that's something they can kind of conceptualize and understand
0: yeah but even the knowing that there's two different kinds, that's really, really smart too because mm-hmm. you're right. People react like you're, you're dead. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. one foot well, in the grave, yeah. when foot d- in a banana peel. Yeah. When
2: I did ask them, what do you think of when you hear the word cancer? My one daughter did say dying and I said, well, and I said kind of a similar thing. I said, there are some types that people do die from. I said, but I don't have that kind. So, you know, because mm-hmm. their breast cancer is very treatable and stuff yeah. these days. So it was a similar kind of a thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I was like, nobody has ever said, in all of this, no one has ever talked about a timeline. Right talked about anything other than this is the path to wellness Mm -hmm. to wellness Mm -hmm. to um you know even if it it becomes a chronic thing it comes back we know how to treat it when you have a flare up right it's not you know it's just not the same thing i Mm -hmm. mean it's not a death sentence it's not this particular kind not a death sentence that's
0: wonderful so yeah um not to say congratulations for that but congratulations for that because Mm -hmm. that's really great If, if they're You know, I guess if you my I have a great aunt who's had leukemia uh, since I was in high school and I'm 50 this year and she just keeps doing these rounds of chemo Mm -hmm. and she's still alive. Mm -hmm. And so you just never know. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the worst case scenario every time. I mean, my aunt with ovarian cancer, it was the worst case scenario. And they told her that and she knew that so Mm -hmm. we could get ourselves together uh, as much as one can mm-hmm. um but you know leukemia was that 35 years later she's still here That's and anything. still fighting the fight yeah. so you just never know i think you really do have to treat it on a person by person basis not not even a case by case but a person mm-hmm. by person because two people could have the same type of cancer and and experience it very differently. That's right. I think.
1: Christopher and I say, and that's my husband. We say, you know, the, there's the statistics, but I've, the statistics don't apply in this case. Right. Because I'm already outside these statistics right. as far as how it all went down and how it went away and yeah. all of that. So we can't, looking at the numbers, hearing, you know, anytime I see an article that talks about, I just stop reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't, that's That doesn't have to be my story. That's not me. No. So I don't need to have that in my brain anyway. Right. Um, it's not
0: always apples to apples. Right. right. Yeah. But I think it's
2: great to hear the different stories I because agree. like we were talking about earlier is that we're both, you know, young. We have kids. You know, you like you you have some symptom and then you ignore it and then another symptom happens and you might push it off to the side and then you find out that it is something. So I think that's good that, you know, you for both of us to... To talk about like you can't you shouldn't ignore things or just play it off like it's something else because right you never know
1: right and strange. also just that that fear mm-hmm. like cancer doesn't have to be the scary thing mm-hmm. that it used to be right the right. more we can demystify it the more we can show that it's a thing that you can you can live with you can live beyond you can you know whatever it is that you know whatever your path is through it um Don't let your fear of the diagnosis prevent you from going Mm -hmm. in. Because Mm -hmm. the truth is, if you get the diagnosis, then the scariest part is the moments before. When you're in treatment, that's not the scary part. The scary part is the moment before. So if you can get through that... Then you can get through the rest of it that's because right. that's the part. The unknown is the part that's the scary part.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the so. saying? The only thing to fear is fear itself, <laughs> right? I mean, they say that. So mm-hmm. Tanya's setting up a beauty counter store, yeah. uh, uh, a pop up, a pop up, pop up, yeah. For for how long? Um, I think it's for it's open
2: for either ten days or two weeks, and so we'll okay. open it up the day um, that this airs, and
1: yeah, and then the proceeds will go to the foundation for living beauty, and it's uh, I think it's foundation for living certainly you can google foundation for living Be- Be- living org. thank beauty. you i'll org. put a
0: link on my okay. website um, and good. then and it I'll- is a
1: beautiful organization and i highly recommend it it's for all women going through uh any
2: type of cancer any right? type of yeah, cancer i do wish
1: I-, I wish there were more of those kinds of organizations for men mm. because women are so good about reaching out mm-hmm. and kind of forming that community mm-hmm. and giving each other support I was talking to one of my dearest friends who was diagnosed with ca- colon cancer 3 months after me. Wow. And he a guy and he was like we just there's just not that. We mm-hmm. don't men don't talk about it in the same way. I think there's real value in opening up the space right. to allow for men to have those kinds of conversations too. So I mean that's a whole other Oh sure. like yeah. thing to unpack but like um well,
2: men get breast cancer too. Men get and, breast yeah, cancer. Yeah. I, mean, I know in you're... one of my support groups they were talking about a man who had tried to get on one of the breast cancer support groups and they wouldn't let him because he was a man. But he had breast cancer. Wow. Yeah. It's like yeah. that's too bad. Mm-hmm. So
1: they need that support too. Mm-hmm. Um so hopefully there will become a brother organization. Um but in the meantime, this beautiful Foundation for Living Beauty does support uh women and it's just a really lovely uh group of of women that are that run the the office cool. and yeah and i'll, I'll add the link services. i have my
2: website i i need to do more with it maybe i'll do more with the blog with the gratitude stuff but i have my hope moves mountains.com mm-hmm. and i'll put the link to that on there as well so if people click links on there they can find that organization yeah. also so you can but go to
0: moves mountains.com uh, hope hope, uh, hope moves hope mm-hmm. and there's a, a link tab yep. mm-hmm. that will have the link to the foundation yep. it'll have the beauty counter link um,
2: that they can you know do, uh, get some things and donate to the pop-up and then um, I'll put the link to the organization as well. So and they can I'll find out more it on about Instagram.
1: it. If you search for hashtag cancer like a mother, that's my hashtag. Hashtag <laughs> cancer like a
0: mother. And then wifeotp.com. Mm-hmm. I'll put the links on wifeotp.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you, ladies, Great. so much for Thank talking you. about this. Thank you for sharing your story. Sure. You know, I really do 100% with all of my soul believe that feeling alone is, is so detrimental to forward progress and mental health mm-hmm. that once you realize you are not alone mm-hmm. you you take a big leap forward right in healing and in balance and health and in hope so maybe someone will hear your story and not feel alone i hope so I, I hope so too and to learn maybe not to be so afraid to just take the bull by the horns and and or feel the fear and do it anyway. feel the fear and do it anyway. And yeah, there's a great book called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm um, Certainly there is. There is. I've read it a long time ago. But thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. And thank you for bringing Allie to this yeah. podcast. I know and she, I always yeah, love she's seeing you. Always. <laughs> I know, me too. Um, so until next time, mm-hmm. thanks for coming. Thanks. Got a brand new I think that we should get together and try.